0: I care about statistical scarcity more than positional scarcity. Have I killed fun? Yes. Right. Podcast is going off the rails already.
1: They're, they're pop-ups. They're not infield fly balls. These guys told you, look at FIP not ERA.
0: So wait for Kluber's sale, but pass on Robbie Ray. Hey, real quick, Scott's bummed about the humid door, And pick your milk for breakfast cereal, Mount Rushmore.
1: Alright everybody, welcome to another week of Fantasy Baseball. Today it is Monday, March 12th. Adam Azer, Scott White, and Keith Cummings. No Chris Towers on today's show. Quick question before we get started. How long do I get to complain about daylight savings time and losing an hour? I feel like I'm going to milk it for a solid week.
0: I think, I think it's totally overblown. Maybe it's just because I don't keep a very consistent bedtime. But like, I hardly even notice when it happens.
2: Yeah, I definitely noticed this morning. See, I was under the impression that we were supposed to start drinking earlier yesterday <laughs> because of daylight savings time. Apparently that's not a thing. No. But, uh, yeah, I definitely, I screwed that one up. And apparently this may be the last time we ever changed the clocks in Florida. So. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know. How- I don't think that's actually a good thing, but they're talking about permanent daylight savings. It's on the governor's desk, which I believe means that Monday night football is going to start at like nine thirty now.
0: I I think it would be a good thing if everybody did it, but yeah, I don't like having to run that calculation with the with the rest of the country being uh being an hour behind in the winter months.
2: Yes, I believe in the winter, Florida will be its own time zone now.
1: Okay, that's very weird. If
0: it's approved,
2: it kind of makes sense. Yeah.
1: That's very strange. All right, well, anyway, I live in New York, so I don't care about that. So um, we're going to catch you up on everything you may have missed over the weekend. Jake Arietta is on the Phillies. Lance Lynn is on the Twins. There are some injury news uh, to tell you about, injury news items to tell you about. And we're going to tell you about the Podcast League. So stay tuned for that. Oh, and another way to get involved, we have a bracket challenge that you should participate in. All right. So uh, here is a new segment, cleverly named. Sometimes the names of the segments just roll off the tongue, and this is one of them. Here we go. The most important thing people need to know from over the weekend that they might have missed, but we are on top of because we cover fantasy baseball. <laughs> what do you think it is, Scott White?
0: Uh, I have a nomination. Uh, do, you, do you have something in mind? You're saying? No, I don't. I'm asking oh, okay. you. What do you think I people, think people the may show have missed is
2: that we tell people?
0: Okay. Delino De Shields has been named the Rangers' leadoff hitter and center fielder, which I think we were all expecting, but also a little hesitant to embrace after the way this played out last spring. But even going beyond that. Manager Jeff Bannister said he thinks he has the potential for 50 stolen bases. He thinks that's a realistic goal. His exact quote is, I think that's a legitimate goal just based on his previous on-base performances and his speed. We feel he's that type of player. So we were already targeting DeShields as like a late-round steals source, but that was in the hope he'd give us the 29 steals he gave us last year. If, if If it's 50, or even if Bannister's being too optimistic and it's more like 40, um, that could be in in today's environment a pretty darn valuable player.
1: How much better is the Lionel to Shields than Cameron Maben, who's going to start for the Marlins?
0: Well, I I think Maben's playing time is less assured, and I think his stolen base prowess is less. Uh, Confirmed because I mean he stole a lot last year, but that hasn't been a consistent thing throughout his career. And there's certainly no stated goal from his manager of 50 stolen bases. And right. he's not as good of a hitter. So um, I'm moving to Shields at my rankings. I'm keeping Maven a late rounder.
1: So uh, is there any reason to draft a Shields if you don't need steals? Like, it, like, how good could he be? I mean, is he is he only draftable because of the steals, or do you think Delano Shields could actually be a good hitter and help if, in other areas?
2: If he actually stays at the top of the lineup all year long and he delivers on his potential as a hitter, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's actually valuable in all formats, maybe even as a third outfielder. I don't think that is the most likely situation. Okay. But it's it's certainly possible.
1: Yeah, I was pretty excited about him last year. And yeah. they never like they never gave him enough of a chance, I think, but but he also didn't do all that well. I mean, this is a guy his slugging percentage in 3 seasons is 374, 313 and 367. So, uh yeah, you know, but but give him some regular bats. Let's see what we can do Delano to De Shields. Get some runs, get some steals. Good stuff Delano De Shields. How about you Heath, the most important thing people need to know from over the weekend that they might have missed but we are on top of because we cover fantasy baseball.
2: Noted good guy. Uh was suspended for PEDs. Jorge Bonifacio. Mm. 80 games. And he wasn't particularly exciting for fantasy, but he was good enough last year that I had no reason to think that he wasn't going to be the starting right fielder going into this year. And there was a real crunch with the Royals. We've seen them sign Duda, sign John Jay, bring back Moustakas. And all that really did, in my opinion, was really limit the chances for sleepers like Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier. And now it looks like I can't imagine we're not going to see Solaire in right field on a pretty regular basis. He already has four home runs this spring looking very much like a three true outcomes guy. I think 20 of his 37 plate appearances have ended in a walk, a home run or a strikeout. He's not going to do a lot for you in points leagues, but in Roto, he could be a very nice source of power and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a middle of the lineup hitter.
1: So it's Solaire really his, uh, better value for you and the shields for scott yeah, Just well not specifically just you, this is who you named i know the shields is, is big for both of you but um in a vacuum who do you think's a better player the shields or or solaire or is it completely 100 percent category dependent
0: it's the De shields right now right Soler now, has more yeah. upside yeah yep okay that's how i'd put it too
1: you know i feel like every year the royals have big spring training numbers am i crazy do they they play
0: are a very, park? They, they're professional ball players that come ready to go at them. <laughs> do they play in surprise? They do. Yeah. So it's always like when the season starts, surprise, they're not that good.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong though. Cause I'm looking at Well, it's not the... exactly
0: always like that. I mean, they've well,
1: actually been good. Most I
0: remember getting five years. faked out in my early years of, as a fantasy analyst by like Mark Teehen having a big spring. Um, and that's the one that comes to mind. But I, I feel like that's happened with a few Royals. It
1: didn't really happen last year. I'll say that. I remember Lorenzo Kane was one that, that kind of – I remember being like amazing in spring training uh, before he was very good. Uh, but, I, of course, I could be making all this up. So, anyway, thank you for uh, the most important things that people may have missed. Here's an important Twitter poll you may have missed. I decided let's just put it to the test. Let's figure it out. Do you drink the leftover milk after finishing your cereal? Did you guys vote in this? Not, nope. All right, we had I can tell you
0: I didn't do it this morning, though.
1: Nearly 1,200 votes. 80% said yes, love that milk. And 20% weird. said no, not, gross. Not surprising at all.
0: That's weird.
1: Yeah, it was a little That's disappointing. Where, where
0: are your manners? <laughs> it's obviously not weird. It's socially acceptable. 80% no. of people are doing it. You are no. weird. no. You should never tip a bowl up to your lips. That's gross. Completely and totally wrong.
1: What about <laughs> the soup? Can you drink the broth in soup? No. You Absolutely. Do you do that? Yes. Sure. What? Now, that's, that's pretty – maybe in the privacy of your own home, but out in a restaurant?
2: Well, yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm doing it at a restaurant. No. But I don't really – I cannot remember ever going to a
0: restaurant and ordering soup. What about, like – What? Oh, you like... soup's great. When yeah. the chips are almost gone, do you, like, tip the bag up to your mouth and pour the little crumblies mm. in? Soup is
2: what you eat on a Sunday when it's kind of chilly outside or when you don't feel like fixing a lot of meals so you just make enough for the whole week to have leftovers.
1: <sighs> or if you hate salad. You
2: don't go pay $20
0: <laughs> for a soup somewhere.
1: <laughs> no, but if you get the choice of a soup or a salad, like, I, I don't like salad, so I go soup, you know? Uh All right, Scott, did we ever fully discuss you moving Trey Turner up to third overall in Roto?
0: No, we were still in like the position preview mock draft
1: vortex. So uh, yeah, we
0: didn't, we didn't hash it out completely. It was a That's big move for to. you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a resignation of sorts. I mean, um, how
1: far up the rankings from from like what tenth or so to third in Roto? Yeah,
0: yeah in Roto. Not, I didn't really, I didn't move them in head to head, but points, you mean? Um, right, in points. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was basically just coming to grips with the idea. It, it was mostly, uh, preparing for auctions that kind of revealed it to me. Just like I, I valued him more than my rankings was saying, were saying I valued him. It just like I'd, I'd start planning an auction strategy around Trey Turner. And it's like, if I feel like he's that pivotal for my roto teams, I should probably rank him where everybody else ranks him. And if we're going full disclosure, I mean, it's, it's always a little tough because you're putting your rankings together in like November or what it is. We're obviously completely blindfolded to what everybody else is thinking, and it's a big project that takes weeks to do, and so it's it's when you see something like that where like it it's going to it's going to take a lot of work to correct, basically. It's, it's easy to want to stand by your original thinking. Um, I get, I don't want to say just out of sheer laziness, but there, there is probably some of that aspect to it. Just, okay. If, if I thought this on my own, then I shouldn't let everybody else's input change my mind. And plus it's going to take a lot of work to fix anyway, but you know, eventually it just became too hard to defend. And so I moved it.
1: All right. So Trey Turner is third in roto for Scott. He's second in roto for Heath. And in ADP, he's fourth in Roto. It's Trout, Altuve, Arenado, and Trey Turner. And, you know, it might be hypothetical right now, but for me, it's actually, it's legit. I know I have the third pick in a Roto or head-to-head categories league. I don't remember the format. And it's actually 14 teams. I know I have the third pick, and I don't know who I'm going to take. I still think I want to take Arenado. I think he's, like, he's going to be better, I would think, in definitely three I well, would guess I would probably give runs to to Turner.
0: Yeah, I think it's really true. I, I think it's a close call on batting average too.
1: Yeah, you think yeah. so?
0: Hmm. <sighs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all be surprised to see Trey Turner have a higher average than Arenado this year.
2: I mean, I know has hit 300 once, right? I think so.
1: Uh, was that last year?
2: Last year, uh, it was his highest batting average by 15 points. His highest Babbitt by 23 points. So he's he's probably... I mean, he's awesome. But he's probably going to be closer to 295.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. All right. It's a tough call. Maybe I do go... Let me ask you this. Is there any chance... Because I think Arenado is so safe. Right. Yeah. Is there any chance Trey Turner is just not a good hitter next no. year? This year? It,
0: no. <laughs> well, he... To be fair, he wasn't a very good hitter last year. I, right? What was his batting average? 270? 284. Something. 284. Um And... But that was with like the lowest possible line drive rate you could see him having, like half the line drive rate he had as a rookie. Uh so I mean that as a hitter last year, last year sorry, that was weird saying last year in a twice a row <laughs> like that. As a hitter last year, uh that seems like the worst case scenario for Trey Turner. And he was still studly because he ran so much. So I don't know. I think he's I think he's really good.
1: Trey Turner, his first 36 games, he was awful. He had a 670 OPS, and a lot of most of it was like course field production. He was just terrible for 36 games. And then his last 62 games, he had an 857 OPS. So he's really had, in, in his young career, one terrible slump, and mostly been very good. Alright, there you go. Now another question, another roto categories question. Then we will get to. Ah, hey, you know what? Let's let's move the order around. All right, we'll do this this question next. This question will be: What are the best categories? Because I'm seeing a lot of a lot uh, more six by six, seven by seven leagues. I think Heath was talking about that last week. What are the best categories? We'll get to that in a second. Let's get to the news and notes. We got to talk about Jake Arietta, three years, seventy five million dollar deal with the Phillies. Also Lance Lynn, one year, twelve million dollars with the Twins. Those are the big news items, and those are two guys who have been. In Arietta's case, the last two years, a lot better at home than on the road. In Lance Lynn, uh, most of his career better at home than on the road. Now they're moving to new stadiums. So Arietta, three years, $75 million to the Phillies, value up, down, or the same. I'm leaving
2: him the same because I, I didn't have high hopes for him ending up on a, a really good team in a good park. I think this is fine. Like, it's not a very good park. This has a lot more to do with Jake Arrieta, in my opinion, than the Lance Lynn situation does. If he gets back to pitching like Jake Arrieta can pitch, then being in Philadelphia is not going to hurt him.
0: Yeah, because a big part of what made Jake Arrieta studly in the years that he was was he was so good at keeping the ball on the ground, keeping it in the park. That was a big part of uh, the formula for him. Uh, But I'm I'm a little more concerned about it because I'm not – Hopeful of him getting back to that, and since you know his home run rate basically doubled last year, playing in a park that's pretty neutral, going to what was the worst home run park in baseball last year, um, it's it's going to make it harder for him to, uh, I, I guess, mask those deficiencies that developed last year that he was able to do in, uh, specifically in the second half, bringing his ERA down to something palatable. Um, but you know, I wasn't going to like him no matter where he landed just because I'm so worried about the, the, um, the decline aspect of this. It's just going to this park specifically is going to exacerbate that. If that's really what's happening here, if he really is declining,
2: I would still rather draft him than Otani than Kyle Hendricks than Sonny Gray than Jameis and Tyone, but I've got him behind
0: guys like Alex Wood, Rich Hill, Lance McCullers. I might make an exception Sonny Gray there. I might put him behind Gray, but I know I have Gray higher than you do, so. Right.
1: Well, I I mean, actually, you guys couldn't be farther apart on Eric. I mean, you could technically, but you're so far apart on Jake Arrieta.
0: Scott's going to come my way again. Yeah, I need to move him down some more, but I noticed also, I, I think Heath just has starting pitchers ranked lower in general. But I have him 34th at starting pitcher. Yeah. Okay.
1: And Scott right now has him 19th. So I can't yeah. imagine you're going to drop him to the 30s.
0: No. Probably low 20s.
1: And putting guys like Lance McCullers, uh, Blake Snell you have ahead of him, Heath, Tanner Roark.
2: And that, those two, not Roark. Um, I, I just, Roark's a little different animal, but for McCullers, for Snell, for Rich Hill, that's probably more about my roto strategy than it is about Jake Arrieta.
1: Uh, which is what, just like, get the best guys on a per-inning basis and... Exactly. Yeah, not worry about innings as much. Alright. Exactly. And then, yeah, cause you do have Arietta ahead of McCullers in points leagues. Uh, I, I mean, to sum it up with Arietta, look, he was amazing until basically after the All-Star break of 2016. And the last year and a half's been a little rocky. Last year, last year for some reason he had, um about twice as many road innings as home innings. Uh, He had 50 more innings on the road than at home, which was weird. And he gave up 19 home runs on the road and only four at home. Uh, And And his his ERA was a run higher on the road.
2: Part of that is that he did a worse job of keeping the ball out of the air. I think he had a career-high fly ball rate, 34.4%. His line drive rate was 20%. So, like, 55% of the balls hit against him were in the air. That's partially his fault. Part of it was a little bit of bad luck. He's been around a 10% home run to fly ball rate his entire career. He was 14% last year, and he didn't give up hard contact at a real hard rate. So I do think even if he continues to give up fly balls, going to a worse park, I would still expect his home run totals to come down a little bit this year.
1: Okay, so then let me ask you this final stuff on Jake Arrieta. Two things and what you make of them. Number one, post-All-Star break, he had a 2.28 ERA. But only 61 strikeouts in 67 innings and 8% swinging strike rate. What does mm-hmm. that mean to you?
0: I, he, part of it was he made some adjustments to get more ground balls. It still wasn't the rate like we saw in 2015 and 2016. A big part of it also was he had a 235 Babbitt during that stretch. So, you know, it was kind of fortunate.
1: Okay. And then second thing for Arietta, last thing, how much do you, and this goes with John Lester too, how much do you value? Think of the World Series effect pitching deep into the season in 2016. Did it carry over and, and make their numbers look bad in 2017? And can they rebound?
2: I, I don't know that it did for Arietta because the year before that he'd thrown 229 innings, like, and he threw, only threw 197 in the regular season in 2016. So I, I'm not sure I buy that with him.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I'm more it. likely
2: personally to buy that with younger pitchers, and maybe that's wrong, but.
1: Maybe I mean he he did um, actually throw more innings in 2015 than 2016 when you when you combine the postseason. Right. So it's a good point. All right, then moving on, Lance Lynn. You got like this guy is innings good ERA consistent pitcher, but I know you must hate the the strikeout rate that was 40 walks and 60 strikeouts after the All Star break, even though he had a 3.21 ERA.
2: Uh, I'm I'm glad Chris is not here because he would disagree with this and probably be right, but I'm just going to say it anyway. (laughs) This just looks to me, and some of these, like the Mike Moustakas thing didn't make any sense. He he took the worst end of free agency I think anyone could. But this one just looks like baseball teams being a little bit smarter. Lance Lynn was exceptionally lucky last year. He had a 4.82 FIP, a 4.85 Sierra, and his ERA was 343. We'd say, well, at least he's an innings eater. You know what? If he had been, if he had had normal luck last year, he wouldn't have been an innings eater. He threw 186 innings over 33 starts with that type of luck, a 79% strand rate and a 244 bad up against. If he had just had normal luck, he probably throws 170 innings last year with a terrible ERA. I want no part of Lancelin.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I guess I'm going to take the positive side of this. Like, you can. You're going to pay a lot less for Lance Lynn than Jake Arrieta on draft day, and it wouldn't surprise me if they give you similar numbers. Yeah, last year, if you're just if you're just assessing Lynn on last year, it does certainly look like he overachieved. But it was first year back from Tommy John surgery, and for most of his career, like yes, he's he's always out oh, he's always outperformed his FIP, but like the FIP was usually in the low to mid threes. It's like, weird. It wasn't. It's weird. He outperformed his FIP the two years before he got hurt by about a half a run. The mm-hmm. two years before that, he was worse than his FIP. Yeah. But the the thing is, like, low to mid threes is what he's profiled as uh in terms of FIP, in terms of ERA. P- prior to Tommy John's surgery, there was a drop in strikeout rate his first year back. I don't think that's surprising, first year back from Tommy John's surgery. So, like, I've never thought of Lance Lynn as... A frontline pitcher, the WHIP's always a little on the high side, the strikeouts are always a little on the low side, but I, I think that's basically to the point I'm at with Jake Arietta now. Um, and just you know, based on usage last year, I'm I'm not sure Arrieta's the safer bet for innings either. So, like I I, it it has nothing to do with him going to the Twins specifically. I just think Lance Lynn might be a little undervalued right now.
1: So, Lynn, you mentioned the strikeouts a little on the low side and the whip a little on the high side. I do wonder if he's a guy who's better suited for a points league than a categories league or roto league.
2: Yeah, probably. He, he is if he gets that fantastic luck again. But otherwise...
1: Or if he just goes back I to know, pitching like he used to before Tommy, John. I mean, it's possible. Like, his, he almost had a strikeout printing pre-All-Star break, and then after that, I don't know, maybe, maybe he just ran out of gas and they, the strikeouts plummeted.
2: I know you hate it when I do this, but I am going to say... Steamer has not projected for a four nine five ERA.
1: Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder, like, why is last year the thing to look at rather than his entire career? You know,
2: I, you can blend his entire career and say he's going to be better. Maybe he has a
0: four ERA. I don't. I don't see. And and to like, because because I was because I'm basically assessing Jake Arietta very negatively based on just what he did last year, and I'm assess- I'm, I'm giving a positive spin to Lance Lynn. Um, and kind of excusing what he did last seems year. Seems inconsistent as Chris it does seem. Would say. It does seem inconsistent. <laughs> but you know, you know what makes it easy to justify the price difference. Like right. you, you can you can take a glass half full approach to a guy who's going to cost you very little. Um, I. I but don't, it's hard I don't to be that optimistic for is. a guy who's going to cost you a, a top one hundred pick, like I Arrieta mean, will. To be clear,
2: I'm not going to draft either of them, but I don't. I, since ADP boy is not here, I don't know what the difference in ADP t- is. I can tell
1: you. I It's huge. I mean, Ar- well, first of all, Lance Lynn is going one pick after Blake Snell. Blake Snell is like the 56th pitcher off the board. Arietta is going 95th overall, and Lance Lynn is in the 200s. He's 216. Uh So Snell is crazy underdrafted. But this group is Lance Lynn. We're talking about pitchers 58 through 60. Lance Lynn, Faria, Porcello. Who's your favorite?
0: Lance Lynn? Uh,
2: I
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: I don't even know. I guess probably in Roto. No, I'm gonna just gonna stick with Porcello.
1: Okay. I
0: you know what I said Lance Lynn a little too quickly because I know I have Faria ranked the highest of three. Faria's had a really rough spring.
1: Yes, he's on my spring <laughs> losers list. He's been terrible. Yikes um so that's something to keep an eye on. And, and maybe
0: sure. it means nothing, but for a guy with as little experience as he has, um, and, and for the you know, the Razor attempting something a little different with their starting rotation, which is another hurdle for him to clear. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about Jacob Faria. Uh,
1: Faria has numbers that are hard to believe. Like the sixteen sixty two ERA is one thing, but five walks, no strikeouts in four and a third. That's hard to believe. So That far. seems bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Um. All right, so anyway, I think that pretty much concludes it on Lynn. but it's probably a park downgrade, right? Cause, and he is a guy who's been a lot better at it's, home.
2: It, it is a slight park downgrade, yes. Okay.
1: More news. Robinson Cano, Cano is going to have an MRI on his hamstring, but he doesn't think it's serious, and so we'll keep an eye on it. Ryan Braun hates first base. <laughs> uh it, That doesn't look like a great option right now, putting him at first base. Oops. Bad news
0: for Domingo Santana. Hope somebody yeah. steps up and makes the Brewers an offer.
1: Or is it just bad news for Ryan Braun? Like, could they just go with Santana over Braun? I'd,
2: I'd be surprised. I I don't think that will happen in April on Opening Day. Right. But I think there is a very good chance that he plays more than Ryan Braun this year.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, between Braun and Kane, you do have two pretty injury-prone players in the outfield. Uh, Jorge Bonifacio suspended 80 games for PEDs. Heath talked about that. White Sox outfielder Luis Robert, if that's how you pronounce it, will miss about ten weeks with a sprained ligament in his thumb. Evan Longoria has a sore ankle. Corey Canable has a tweaked knee. Kenley Jansen had hamstring tightness. So those just vary day to day for now. How about Jonathan Lucroy to the A's, guys? Uh, what do you think about that?
2: I'm glad he has a team.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and probably you know a number one role, which I wasn't even sure he was going to have. As late as this was dragging on, um, yeah, I don't, I don't expect a big bounce back, especially in that environment.
1: Yeah, not a good park, a little bit of a park downgrade from Colorado to uh, <laughs> just Ohio. a little. Would you guys take Lucroy or a Dodgers catcher?
2: I'd take Yasmani Grandal right now.
0: I'd take either Dodgers catcher.
1: Wellington Castillo or Jonathan Lucroy.
0: Wellington.
1: Yeah, I like Wellington better than the Dodgers catchers. Lucroy or Zunino?
0: Zunino oh. and Roto. Yeah. Alrighty. righty. Lucroy and points.
1: I can't tell you how mad I am at myself in the auction that we did a few weeks ago for not getting Grandal and taking Zunino instead. Zunino was the guy – I hit the dollar, like the extra – like bid an extra dollar button. I was like, why did I just do that? I'm going to win him now. Nobody wants him. Why did I take him? I was so stupid. But maybe he'll have a great year. Let's go, Zunino. Uh, Francisco Liriano's gonna be in the Tigers rotation. You have AL only interest in him. Sure.
0: Yeah. I have AL only interest in anybody with the job. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, he, he could still be a pretty good strikeout source. Man, the Tigers rotation is bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, Red's it, rotation takes a hit with Anthony nidis with an oblique injury. Um, any, any news? There's Amir Garrett. I know you guys talked about him like two weeks ago, but you still feel in Amir Garrett?
0: That's that. That helps his chances of starting the year there. Yeah, he uh, his spring took a turn for the worse, but, but yeah, I mean one one less competitor.
1: Matt Carpenter said his back felt good during an intra-squad game. Good. Delano DeShields will lead off and play center field for Texas. We talked about that, and Adam Eaton has played in some minor league games, and he's on track, and hopefully we'll be ready for Opening Day. If not, shouldn't be long, for Adam Eaton. So. I ask you what are the best categories, and I ask you this after I tell you about the best website and app for tickets. It's baseball time. It's tournament time. There are plenty of games to go to right now. Use SeatGeek to get there. Download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY. You'll get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's 20 bucks with the promo code FANTASY. Look, I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. And my friends use it, too, because I've told them all how great it is. And it's time for you to use SeatGeek, the best way to find seats to sports, comedy, concerts, theater. I've used SeatGeek for baseball, for basketball, for football, for concerts. I love it. It Saves me time, and it saves me money. SeatGeek searches multiple sites, so you don't have to do the work anymore. Just search for an event on SeatGeek, and the app's going to help you identify the bargains. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. So right now, download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code fantasy, get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek Geek purchase. Again, download the Seek Geek app and use the promo code fantasy. I have determined that people are uh, doing a lot more 6x6, 7x7 leagues. I'm in a 7x7 league. I've also determined that I don't think there are more than six good pitching categories. So, let's talk about the best categories. Let's make our ideal categories league. What does it look like?
2: I think mine's still 5x5. Five but I do have quality starts instead of wins.
1: Okay, so it's quality starts, uh strikeouts, ERA, whip, and saves.
2: I do kind of like saves minus blown saves as well.
1: Okay, I like that. That's cool. That's five by five. Now, some you want to put whip in there? You want to put wins in, in there? Sure. You want to put holds in there? That's fine. Is it? I mean, I don't want to do it. You want to <laughs> do holds plus saves? That's fine. What I don't like seeing is another pitching ratio stat. Because K per 9 pisses me off. I hate K per 9. And now I'm playing in a K per 9 league and I want to stab it. I hate K per 9.
2: Well, it's... first off, it should be K percentage and not K per 9. Oh, really, Chris? K percentage. <laughs> well, K percentage is much better. K per 9, you're getting rewarded for giving up, for facing more
0: batters.
1: Actually, that's fine. That's a good point. I Well, I hate K percentage. Yes.
0: If you're facing that many more batters, though, nobody's going to want you for your ERA and whip. They may want you for your K per 9. No. Now, I, I, there are pitchers like Danny Salazar a couple of years
2: ago, Carlos Rodon have greatly benefited from it, and they can give you a league average ERA at the same
1: time. Scott, what do you think about pitching categories? What would be your preference?
0: I mean, I'm I'm kind of a traditionalist about these things. <laughs> like I I totally understand wins are kind of a dumb stat in terms of evaluating players, oh, this pitcher had this many wins, so he must be a good pitcher. This one didn't, so he's bad. Like, I get that. I do kind of like the strategy of trying to figure out where I can find wins. Like, to me, that's a fun exercise. It's also kind of a frustrating exercise, but that's part of what makes it fun. So I I want to stick with wins. And honestly, on the hitting end, are we, are we talking, are we just sticking to pitcher stats now or can we talk about?
1: Uh, let's wrap up pitcher stats because okay. the quality starts a little bit more interesting since starting pitchers don't go that deep into games anymore. Yeah, uh,
0: it's become, there's become a greater differenti, differentiation there between the good and the bad pitchers than there used to be, which makes it more defensible.
1: And you um, also have brought up innings as an extra stat, which is fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: the problem with that is you really, and, you can do this. I'm not. I, I am not somebody that says one way is good and the other way is bad. I like playing with lots of different rules. But the problem with adding win innings or having wins and quality starts is you just
0: eliminate the relief pitcher strategy. That is one strategy that's gone.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Well, I mean, wins, relief pitchers. You weren't if you if you went heavy on relief pitchers, you weren't going to do very well in wins either. Right, but if you're
2: adding a sixth category and it's a starting oh, it's pitcher a only
0: category, yeah. I, okay, right. I was. I had always presented innings as a replacement for wins, but um but yeah, I'm not sure. Like that's just such a volume stat. Like Oh, yeah, as that's a replacement all is. That's for all measuring its volume. So, yeah. And I just wonder in leagues that are not set up carefully, like you know, daily daily lineups with daily transactions, just how exploitable is that category going to be just throwing in whatever crap starter is starting that night? Um, I I haven't vetted this, so I don't I can't get fully behind it. Like if if I were to actually experience a league with innings instead of wins, I might decide it's a disaster. It's just it's hard for me to foresee all the potential pitfalls there.
1: So Heath and I I think are on the quality starts, strikeouts, ERA, WHIP, saves, five by five. Uh, Scott, well let's just say five. We'll get into hitting. Scott is the same five, except he prefers wins to quality starts. And then, like if you add holds, like if you add holds and innings, does that kind of balance it out?
2: That balances it out. If I'm going to count holds, I kind of would rather just do saves plus holds, okay, keep it at five, but
1: all right, fair enough, all right, so then hitting scott what are, what are your favorite hitting categories?
0: My favorite are the traditional ones <laughs> i I <laughs> Don't change understand. Anything, I ever. can understand though, um wanting to do on base percentage instead of batting average I think I think that's a better measurement. And it takes into account more of the things a hitter does well. So uh, I guess I guess that means I'm in favor of the Tout Wars setup, which is the traditional five on each side except replacing batting average with on-base percentage. Um, I'm fine just sticking with batting average, but I'm, I'm fine going on-base percentage too.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way.
2: Yeah, I, I greatly prefer on-base percentage to batting average.
1: I uh, yeah, I don't know about great because I feel like walks are are lame, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I understandable. Like put the bat on the ball. People swing the bat. Oh gosh. No, yeah. walks is gonna hit right. Whatever. But um, I yeah, I'm down for that five by five with OBP and quality starts or batting average with whatever. But if you want to add some categories, I guess people want to get away from five by five. Here's one thing I I kind of want to stress. I don't think you need to have an even amount of of pitching and hitting stat categories. I agree. And everybody, you know, some people are kind of obsessed with that. We've got to be seven by seven, six by six, whatever. No, like do seven by six if you want. And I'm going to propose that to the league I'm in because we're just K per nine is driving me crazy. Like I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that at all. Um, maybe I'm well, being t- selfish, but we don't t- need seven pitching categories. Like do seven by six. Who cares? Big deal. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the argument would be, well, that skews things toward hitters, and so you know, you're going to, pitchers are going to be undervalued by comparison. I don't know if that's necessarily true. It would depend on what the categories are. I mean, I think
1: 5 by 4 would be different than 7 by 6 you know? Like, you have so many categories. Yeah. That doesn't skew it as much.
2: I also like changing stolen bases to steals minus caught stealing.
1: Totally fine with that. Yeah, why not? Why not?
0: In terms of adding hitter categories, and one of my frustrations with, Category leagues in general is that, you know, compared to points, there's a lot of contributions players make that make them good or not so good that are not even valued on any level in those formats. It's such a narrow focus on those five categories. But I don't know that adding categories is the solution to it. Like if you added doubles as a category, if you added triples as a category, like another problem with the categories. League setup is that these are all weighted on the same level when obviously a, a double doesn't equal a home run. Well,
1: that's why total bases is a better category. Yeah, probably
0: yeah. walks plus hit by pitch.
1: No, no, that, yes. that's OBP. Walks plus hit by no, pitch. that's <laughs> OBP. But total bases is a good category. I like total bases.
2: So you're rewarding home runs twice.
1: Um.
0: No, maybe total bases instead of home runs.
2: Yeah. Well, if home runs are more important than other things, then I think they should be rewarded twice.
0: Well, I don't know that they are. They're they're important because they get you four bases. Uh, Well, that's twice as many as a double. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, a stolen base is – we're already down the path of a stolen base is weighted just like a home run, which is itself crazy. Um, It's true. So, like, I I don't (laughs) think there's ever going to be a way to reconcile that completely with the rotisserie, with the categories – Set up. So, I, I just think if you wanted to add total bases as a category, I can, un- I could, I could understand that. But doing like doubles and triples individually, that's uh, that's going, that's taking it too far.
1: So, the bottom line is uh, we are boring and we like five by five. There you go. <laughs> Replace batting average with OBP and maybe wins with quality starts, and we move on. And uh, oh, some fun stuff to announce. Here we go. First of all. Who's going to win the uh, tournament, guys? How are you feeling about oh, the Jayhawks?
2: Um, It depends completely on if Azabuque gets back, but they have had uh, a player really stuffed up, Silvio D'Souza. Played awesome during the Big 12 tournament, and if Azabuke comes back and those guys are both playing at that level, I think Kansas has a real shot.
1: Okay, yeah, I, sure. I think uh, I think Villanova's going to win. No, I kind of, uh, I don't know, I like Duke.
0: The bracket's out the brackets yeah, out of course i can make a i can set up a bracket
1: not only can you you have to because last <laughs> year last year we had more than 1400 listeners join us in a bracket challenge and the winner now unfortunately it's, it has to be the winner after the second weekend um right before the podcast league draft the winner whoever has the most points is in the podcast league so that's one way in i will reserve a podcast league spot for whoever who, is leading the bracket challenge at that point
0: who won it last year i don't remember they
1: when is know. our draft our draft is monday march 26th it's 2 weeks from today so
2: they are going to get just a little bit less than 24 hours notice that they are in the league
1: yeah but but if they're listening they know that they're in, that they're in if they are in first place okay hey okay, we we did it last year and it worked so here's our podcast league information. First of all, about the bracket challenge, follow me on Twitter, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. I will tweet out links to it. You can follow along there. Um, you can email if you need to fantasybaseball at CBSI.com and I will send you a link to it. I'll create it at some point today. So, uh, again, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R and fantasybaseball at com if you need a link to the bracket challenge. But join it and, uh, standard rules after, I guess it's heading into the final four. It's going to be like after the Elite Eight. Whoever has the most points is in the Podcast League. I'll have to break any ties by myself. But the Podcast League, the Points League, our draft will be Monday, March 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Monday, March 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 12-team Points League. We already have one participant for that. Um Wednesday, March 28th is going to be... The Rejects League or the For the People League, which is a 16 that, team head-to-head categories.
0: That's the day before the season starts.
1: Yes, we starting wow. early this year. Wednesday, March 20th, 8 p.m. He does that work for you?
2: That will be 8 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m.
0: and
1: Eastern. we
2: also already have one person in. I haven't read the email, but uh, Carl May is in.
1: And Isaac, right?
2: Uh, Isaac. I guess I already said he was in too. So we have two. And the the way to get in, it's different. How do you? How are people getting into the podcast? Lately? Haikus. 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 They're gonna send okay. us
1: haikus to fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Um, uh,
2: I assume there are some people out there that would prefer to be in the For the People League. And uh just expressing that is a good way to get into the for the people league. Also, like I like it when people make uh send emails telling how much they like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that might help you as well. Or if you could come up with a clever rule that we could add, the For the People podcast league is always looking to evolve as a league. If you can come up with a c- clever rule that will further make Scott White pull his hair out, that may get you in as well.
1: <laughs> All right. So Scott and I will share a team. I believe Heath and Chris will share a team and we'll have 12 spots for listeners for the For the People league, which is Wednesday, March 28th at 8 p.m. That's the draft. Monday, March 26th Four, at 8 14 p.m. 14
0: spots for listeners, right?
1: My bad, yeah, 14. Yeah. Monday, March 26th at 8 p.m. Uh, is the Podcast Points League, 12-team head-to-head points. And, okay, if you cannot make that time, please do not apply. If you can make that time, please apply by submitting your haiku. And a haiku is three sentences, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Here are two examples. Haiku number one, Adam, Scott, Heath, Chris. What do they have in common? Fantasy baseball. That's number one. That's pretty good, right? Number two, yes. the best cereal? Dude, this is so obvious. Clearly Golden Gramps. Those are, are haikus. Are those
0: haikus written by you?
1: Yeah, I wrote them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not very poetic, are you?
1: <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> All right. So I think we have two segments left plus emails. And I think we'll save the crazyometer for tomorrow. I'm gonna ask you guys, I'm gonna give you guys a, a prediction and you're gonna tell me how crazy it is. Like Billy Hamilton hits well. You're gonna put that on the crazyometer. We'll do that too. Whoa! Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy. That's,
0: yeah. That's uh, where it ranks. Miguel Cabrera Whoa.
1: finishes top five in AL MVP. You'll tell me where that is on the crazyometer. But, instead, let's do spring training, good and bad. Let's see who's, uh, moving up. Oh, our boy John Hopkins, one of our favorite listeners, sent us, uh, a link to some Lucas Giolito video. Of him striking out eight Cubs this weekend. So he's been good. And here here are just names of pitchers who have been good. Uh Giolito, Luke Weaver, man. Nine innings, one run, nine strikeouts, one walk so far. Uh Garrett Richards has a two ERA, two walks, twelve strikeouts. That's pretty much it. And Steven Matts had a better start. Uh there are others. You well, guys yeah. should definitely contribute. <laughs> definitely contribute. But the three that I had were Giolito, Weaver, and Richards that kind of stood out to me.
0: Yeah, no, those definitely stood out this, well, Giolito and Weaver definitely stood out this weekend. Um, Weaver's actually added a slurve to his arsenal this spring, was basically fastball changeup last year and thought hitters caught up to it late. But uh, there was an interesting piece on MLB.com about him because it kind of talked about what makes him so effective, what makes him so hard to hit, and basically he pushes off differently from any other pitcher. Um, and it causes the ball to come out at a weird angle. So there is effectiveness for him beyond just the stuff. And it kind of makes sense looking at the minor league numbers, insanely low ERAs. Uh, But that, combined with what we saw last year, combined with what we saw this spring, I don't have any shares in Luke Weaver yet. Maybe I should get some.
1: Okay, are you more encouraged by Lucas Giolito?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was certainly eight strikeouts in four innings from a guy who's... Our main concern about him was not enough missed bats. Uh, I mean, curveball was clearly working in that game. It looks like a great swing and miss pitch for him. And honestly, the swinging strikes weren't as bad as the strikeouts themselves in the stint we saw him last year. So I do think there's some untapped potential here, and Uh, obviously going much later than Weaver.
2: Yeah, almost free on draft grade, 237 ADP for a guy with his pedigree. I am not saying that I buy into that type of performance, but it's it's much more notable when he's so cheap.
1: Okay, that's Lucas Giolito and Luke Weaver and then as far as Garrett Richards goes, he's in between Weaver and Giolito, I assume.
0: And cer- yeah, he yeah, in terms of where he's going. I think he's more proven than we're giving him credit for.
1: Garrett Richards. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: my my
2: big concern with him is that he, I don't maybe let mid-year he will, but I don't expect him to pitch deep into games and I don't expect him to make as many starts as other pitchers and those two things combined are really going to limit the upside.
0: Yeah, I hear that, but I I think it's also worth pointing out very he's been efficient this spring and he was crazy efficient coming back from injury last year too. I mean there were there were two 5-inning starts and a 6-inning start. Um but he didn't he didn't throw 90 pitches in any of them. It was it was between 65 and
2: 85. And we 90s probably his ceiling in April,
0: maybe. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like, you know, now that they've worked him back in last season, they're just gonna, I don't know, maybe not turn him loose completely, but they're not going to be at nearly as careful, especially since they're going with the six man rotation and they'll have more time to recover between starts. But I don't know for sure. I just think inning for inning, he's going, he could be dominant. Um, and it's not. You know, it's not in the super risky way we've been saying that about Tyler Glass now and Matt Harvey. Like, I feel like more likely than not, inning per inning, Richards is going to be dominant.
1: All right, that's Garrett Richards. So Garrett Richards is going. It's it's uh, Duffy, or it's John Gray, Danny Duffy, Garrett Richards, Chase Anderson, Michael Fulmer. Gray, Duffy, Richards, Anderson, Fulmer. Fulmer's, you know, got to be last in that group, right? Yeah, though, I
0: mean, it was, it was good to see him come out and pitch well his first start after having that nerve transplant surgery, which I think was the same one Matt's had. And, uh, he did not come out looking good. So yeah, I mean, Fulmer, I've, I've never been a big Fulmer guy because the strikeout rates have been low, but he's gotten good results with it.
1: But as far as Richards goes, would you take him ahead of John Gray or Danny Duffy? No.
0: Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like I'd be more okay. likely to draft him than either of those guys. Certainly Gray, but it, it has to be later.
1: All right, then let's go through these hitters. Uh, quick thoughts: Francisco Mejia, Indians catcher, batting four twenty one with two home runs.
2: I just don't. He's not going to start the year in the majors. So I mean, there's. It's exciting in a two catcher league if you just want to punt one of your catchers at the start of the year. But it, it may take until the middle of May or June before you see him.
1: Okay. Uh, Ronald Acuna, talk about him again 419 batting average, 4 steals 4 walks, 7 strikeouts Great spring for him
0: Yeah, I think what people are really sleeping on is the steals potential And, I mean, he's demonstrated it this spring That's as scarce as that category is He's probably worth drafting You, you may not need to, but he's probably worth drafting In the top 10 rounds just for that Are you moving up again this week, Scott? I'll have to look at it again I've moved him up quite a bit already. He's, in, I think, 30th for me.
1: This is it was Ronald Acuna you we're talking about. Hey, I have a yeah. random question. I want to go back to, like, five minutes into the podcast. Sure. Um, if I want to take Nolan Arenado instead of a Trey Turner third overall, what uh, if I just reach, like, very early for Delano to Shields? Like, round 12, like where I know I'm absolutely going to get him just for the steals.
2: I don't think that's a reach in Roto.
1: Okay, fine. Then I take him in round ten, just to make sure I get the Leonard to Shields, and now I I've, have Arenado into Shields to cover have, myself. Have you seen to Shields go as early as round twelve? Because I'm just saying I don't think it's a reach based on value. Okay, I mean, so I'm back.
0: On I'm, a, I'm always of the mindset you want to squeeze as much value as you can out of everything. So like the last point before I think somebody else is going to take him, that's where I want to take him. So I just philosophically, I can't, I can't subscribe to that. Um. The outfielders being drafted in rounds ten and eleven are Eddie
2: Rosario, Ian Desmond, Ender Enciarte, Adam Jones.
1: I, yeah. I don't. Seems yeah. normal. It seems fine to take. To yeah, take I the don't want there. to
2: take a chance. If I need steals, I don't want to take a chance on missing the shields and take one of those guys.
0: And who knows? Maybe with this news, the shields will ADP will shoot way up. I I don't know, but. But you know what I'm saying? Like I, if I if just, I make I, sure
1: I get the shields, and what like could I just take Arenado and not Trey Turner?
0: I don't think it's. I don't think it's exactly the same. Like I, I could totally see how that would work out just fine for you, uh, but a lot of things I want to do might work out fine for people. It's a lot of things nobody would think to do are going to work out great. It's, it's just, it's not like I think you have to put yourself in the best in the position to have the best team possible, and I, I think intentionally overpaying for somebody by several rounds doesn't doesn't accomplish that.
1: Okay. So back to the good spring training hitters. Um, Marcus Simeon, Marcus Simeon batting four hundred and seven. He was like practically twenty twenty last year, or on pace anyway. Uh Simeon doing well. Yolmer Sanchez for the White Sox second baseman has a ten sixty five OPS. How about those two? I'm, I'm assuming Simeon's the only one that matters there.
2: Yeah, I don't have much interest in Yolmer.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. S- is Simeon a good middle infield option? He's fine.
0: Yeah, he's. He's kind of – the the way he gets pushed out is kind of – uh it kind of speaks to the way depth's increased at the middle infield spots this year because he was – you know, he's above average on a per-game basis last year. I don't know that – like a spring without any home runs or steals, I don't know that that's catching my eye the way it caught yours, especially yeah. for a player who I see is more or less established. Yeah, but, true. Sure. I, I'm wondering if Jose Perella is going to play his way into a starting job this yeah, spring. he has been – like, I've given him the leg up on Hunter Renfro anyway, Um, but, yeah, the the spring performance, it's not even close. He's got a five fifty nine on base with six walks and eight strikeouts so far. And what's interesting is he's played some second base, too, and they don't really have a good option there.
1: Okay. Padres, so. Jose Perella, yeah, he's an outfielder for the Padres, but if he plays second, that's very interesting. And he had, he had a pretty good slash line last year, Two eighty eight, three forty seven, four ninety. Wow, pretty good. Yeah. Padres,
0: Padres are going to be good.
1: But he's 28. Uh, yeah, he was one done. of those hitters
0: who kept hitting well in the minors and nobody wanted to give him a job, and it takes winding up with a team as um, <laughs> with with so little to offer as the Padres for that guy to break through sometimes. And that seems to have been what happened last year for Perella. I don't know why, as well as he hit for them down the stretch, I don't know why they'd shy away from that.
1: All right, let's go a little quicker here. A couple of catchers. Uh, Blake Swihart for the Red Sox and Austin Hedges for the – Padres, who are going to be great, Uh, both doing well, Swihart and Hedges.
2: And it wasn't too long ago that we thought, like, Swihart might be a high-average hitter and, a, and a, a good bat or decent bat. But the, the thing, the only thing I've seen about Swihart is that a lot of teams are trying to trade for him.
0: Yeah, with the Red Sox, it seems like he's going to have to play a super-duper utility role where he's, you know, catchers among the positions he'd be playing. Um, and it's not, it's not for sure they're going to. He's, it's not for sure they're going to be confident enough at his defense at other spots to want to go with that. And he's out of options, so it, it may be that he winds up with another team. And that would probably be the best thing for him because it just doesn't seem like the Red Sox are going to be able to make the time for him behind the plate. Well,
1: Swihart and Hedges are either of them worth drafting.
0: Um, Hedges certainly in a two catcher league. Whyhard I think's a little outside of that, at least okay. as things stand right now.
1: How about Colorado first baseman Ryan McMahon? He's having a really nice spring with a three sixty-six batting average, one walk, five strikeouts. He does have five doubles. And in 2017 at AA, he had a nine twenty six OPS, even better at AAA in the PCL. McMahon, uh, I mean, nobody talks about him. Heath, he was your sleeper in the first base preview.
2: Yeah, and I will probably move him up again this week. Every week they go without signing Mark Reynolds. Makes me feel a little bit better. The Carlos Gonzalez signing doesn't help McMahon, but if he hits like this, it doesn't matter.
0: I think the Carlos Gonzalez signing helped distinguish McMahon from uh, David Dahl a little more, because now you know one more one more mouth to feed in the outfield. Um, is going to favor the guy who plays first base versus the one who favors the outfield. The only... The outfield.
2: yes, The only... The only downside for McMahon could be if they decide to move Ian Desmond to first. Or or Para. Uh,
1: like, like What Para. What is his potential, McMahon, if he's the regular first baseman for the Rockies?
2: I don't oh, th- know ten. that it's that far from Trevor Story's rookie year.
1: Okay, oh, I, yeah. I would think it's a lot better because he's not...
0: You know, he's a really good contact hitter, too. He hit three fifty five in the minors last year. And, you know... Part of that was at a hitter-friendly environment. Part of it wasn't. He had 330 at Hartford.
1: Yeah, you need to have Ryan McMahon on your radar when you draft. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Hicks is off to a nice start here in the spring. And what I love is seven walks to four strikeouts. That was a huge uh, development for Hicks last year. Before his oblique injury, he had 37 walks and 42 strikeouts in 60 games. So he's a nice little late-round pick, Aaron Hicks. How about any of these guys? Curtis Granderson, Trey Mancini, Yonder Alonso.
0: Yeah, not spring numbers aren't doing much for me for any of them. Uh,
2: Mancini is a guy that I think that maybe CBS is lower on than the rest of the industry. When it seems like he gets drafted when we do uh, industry mocks a lot higher than he does when it's mostly just CBS guys. And he was pretty awesome last year, so he's probably somebody that
0: deserves a little bit more credit than he's getting. I want to mention a pitcher who wasn't in your group, Adam. Sure, Marco Estrada. Has had a great spring, and I think he's a big bounce back candidate because he realized this offseason from watching some video, he was tipping his change up last year, slowing his arm down visibly. And like the changeup is the key to everything because this fastball's high eighties, you know. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say he found his lucky horseshoe and he's <laughs> going to get back to his two twenty BABIP. Um maybe. Maybe. I mean, is as extreme of a fly ball pitcher as he is when he's on. Um. yeah, I think he's going to have a big bounce. I I think there's the potential for a big bounce back here, and, like, nobody's paying anything for him. I, I will fully admit that I'm
2: biased against Marco Estrada. He's basically, like, his last four years, his fifth has been 488, 440, 415, 461. I think last year he just had an unlucky year. And he should bounce back, but maybe to a low 4 ZRA.
1: And bad spring training players. Shohei Otani did not have a good start against Milwaukee. An inning and two-thirds. Uh... I think I might have the wrong line for him, but it wasn't good. So Otani, Paxton, Faria, John Gray. Those are four pitchers who are off to bad starts. Otani, Paxton, Faria, and John Gray. Paxton and Faria have been terrible. Um, anything concern you guys there?
0: I'm more concerned about Faria than Paxton, but Paxton hasn't been throwing as hard this spring. And, and what I've, what I've read is that like he's so tall and lanky, it takes a little longer for his mechanics to sync up and for him to, uh, you know, max out his ability like that, which I can buy. The Mariners don't seem worried at all. Um, it's just hard for me not to worry a little when a guy who, who uh, what broke through because he started throwing 100 is throwing like 93, 94 instead.
1: Yeah, Paxton said that he's, I think he said like he's where he usually is at this point. I don't know if that's true or not, but that okay, that's something, that, I, I, can, something I can I can buy it.
0: It's just hard like when you're when you're drafting Paxton as your sneaky number two, it's hard to look and see he's not throwing as hard this spring. You know that that's it, it does plant this little seed of doubt in your mind that maybe you should just ignore, but. It's one of those situations where probably the person who's not paying any attention to spring training is a little better off.
2: (laughs) Um, I think I just came up with a haiku for my feelings on Otani. Oh, okay. You can laugh at how I got the syllables wrong just trying to do this on the fly. Okay. Otani? Nope, none. More like no tawny for me. Fade the angel staff.
1: More like no-tani for me. Oh, nice. Nice. I think you got it. You nailed it. Thank you. Um and then there's uh Gleyber Torres having a crappy spring. I don't think he's gonna be the starting second baseman.
0: No, I don't think he is either.
1: Adam but will camp.
0: uh what's that guy's name?
1: Tyler. Miguel Wade. Andujar be oh. the starting
0: third baseman with Drury, because Andujar's had a good spring.
1: Andujar's had a great spring. I, you talked about yeah. it. Uh, the show I wasn't on. It's really Andujar's defense that concerns them. Yeah. Uh, but man, he, he can hit. Uh yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like it's gonna be uh Tyler Wade at second and Drury at third to start the season.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: But and Torres is rusty. I mean Torres missed so much time last year, so I just he's not helping his chances of making the opening day roster just yet. But look, it's only March twelfth, there's still a couple weeks left there, a week and a half left of spring training basically, and two weeks before No, no, it's like two weeks of spring training and then the games start in like two and a half weeks, right? So Um Alright, let's uh finish with some emails here. James in Fort Worth. Dear Mike, John, Tom, and Jay. Mike, John, Tom, and Jay. They are basketball coaches. College basketball. Shashevsky, Jay Wright, Tom Izzo, John. Calipari. Sure. Have the Cardinals turned into the Patriots of fantasy baseball? I tend to stay away from investing too heavily in anyone not named Tom Brady on the Patriots because their players seem to perform and be used inconsistently. I have compiled a list of players from the Cardinals over the years that were inconsistent from year to year, came out of nowhere to produce, or were one-year wonders. Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Pham, Matt Adams, Colton Wong, Jason Hayward, Stephen Piscotti, Randall Grichick, Aleph Diaz, Matt Holliday, late in his career, Johnny Peralta, John Jay, Alan Craig, David Fries, Adam Wainwright, Shelby Miller, Michael Walker, Trevor Rosenthal.
2: That's a lot of names, and a lot of these names definitely do not fit the out of nowhere or one-year wonder type players.
1: No, I didn't think he meant that all of them were like that. I think that was they were separate categories. Those were just
2: random Cardinals that some of them had been one-year wonders?
1: Some had been out of nowhere. Some have been one-year wonders. Some have been inconsistent. I think the point was like you could never ex- never rely on your expectations for Cardinals players. I, no, I don't think that's true. Okay, we're not buying it. Thank you. It was a funny fun email, though, James. Thank you. I do.
2: The one thing I would say is I think that they do have a, a little short history here building of guys they bring from out of nowhere from the minor leagues that just disappear after one year.
1: All right, we'll see what happens with Mr. DeYoung. They gave him a nice contract. Uh, Michael says, I listened to the Friday podcast where you said closers aren't as valuable in points league. Uh, the ESPN guys say closers are more valuable in points. They even have Jansen as a first-round pick. Can you explain? What? Yeah, now now here's the thing. I don't know what the points format is on ESPN, but the reason why I said that, if I said it, closers are less valuable in points leagues is because you only need two. As opposed to, in like a twelve-team roto league where everybody want like every single closer is owned. So yeah. it, it actually was more of a scarcity thing. But even still, like even if even if they're extremely scarce, like there's no scenario. Like maybe where saves are worth ten
0: pick. points and strikeouts are worth a full point. Maybe. And that would dis- that would that would elevate closers overall and it would distinguish the really good ones from the really bad ones more.
2: What I think also probably factors into that is they're using some sort of value based. Drafting where you're looking at what's the difference over the last couple of years between Kenley Jansen and the number 24 or 25 closer. And comparing it that way with every other position, Jansen's going to seem much more valuable.
1: Last email for today. Or maybe we can do two here. Ben from the Metro D.C. area. Which players beginning the season on the D.L. are you going to stash?
0: Jimmy Nelson is top of the list for me. Uh, well. A- among ones who I expect an extended absence from. There's a good chance somebody like Adam Eaton will spend a few days on the DL. So I don't know if we're gonna count those. Nah, but, yeah, let's
1: do the extended absence.
0: Yeah. Um
1: Carlos I, Rodon?
0: Yeah. He, probably. Yeah. He's he's last round. Same as Salazar. Michael Conforto, I think, is a little higher than uh, him. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um
2: maybe Irvin Santana in a points league, but I'm yeah, not doing it yeah, right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that might be. I mean, I'm I'm starting to wonder if Daniel Murphy isn't going to miss extended time, but I know we haven't been drafting him. I, I know most people aren't approaching him that way. They're approaching him more like Eaton. Right. I, I I don't know if they should. Um. So. Pedroia. He made some progress
2: over the weekend, though, right? What did he do? I will look. Uh, Pedroia. I didn't, I didn't no, I am not drafting Pedroia. I'm not sure I would be drafting Pedroia if he was healthy to start the year. Right.
1: All right, then, and then finally tom in massachusetts greetings non-zero chance i have an interesting question regarding my al only auction nine teams traditional roto our draft is on the 31st of march which is the third day of the mlb season boo what would you pay most attention to that isn't just small sample noise
0: (laughs) on the third day of the season when only two pitchers at most have pitched for these teams yeah, maybe not a, maybe not a lot to take from that.
1: Maybe like where a guy's hitting in a lineup. Or something. I was going to say batting order might be. Yeah, batting maybe, order but that
0: maybe. that changes from day to day for a lot of these teams too.
1: Yeah, um, but like if DJ Lemay he was leading off for the Rockies or something. It, we,
0: I I read from the Rockies beat writer the MLB dot com Rockies beat writer that uh, the cargo signing probably means Blackman's leading off again.
1: Okay, good because I don't want to have to draft DJ Lemayhew. Yeah. <laughs> Uh alright, cool guys. Thank you. Good show. Fun show. Thank you all uh, for your emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSi.com. Looking forward to your podcast league entries. Get into our bracket challenge. And we got the crazyometer tomorrow on Tuesday's show. See ya.